You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. The thing about fear is that it will take you as far down this road as is necessary for you to finally just give into despair. Here's the thing about fear. Fear basically says this, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't trust you. I don't trust that you have my best interests at heart. I don't trust that this is going to end in a way that is for my good and for your glory. Pastor J.D. explains what fear is and how it can be a form of not trusting in Jesus. Jesus wants to give you his love and peace, but sometimes the trials of life might make you question that fact. Well, Pastor J.D. wants you to know that you shouldn't question the Lord's will, for he does everything with purpose and reason, even when you aren't able to see it yet. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 64, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All men shall fear, notice the contrast, between fearing of the enemy and contrasted with the fear of the Lord. And men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. So, Psalm 64 is also a psalm, some see it sort of as a continuation of the previous psalm, Psalm 63, but it was also written about the time in David's life when he's fleeing from Absalom. And what I love about this psalm is this brutal honesty. I love this about God's Word as a whole. I mean, it's just, which by the way is one of many reasons, and there are many reasons, but one of many reasons why you know that it was written and inspired by God Himself. Because were it not, you would not have the honesty within the pages of Holy Writ. And such is the case with this psalm, the brutal honesty on David's part concerning his fear. And this is important to me because, notice in verse 1, David doesn't pray to be preserved from the enemy. He doesn't say that. That's not what he prays. That's not what he says. What he does say is to be preserved from the fear of the enemy. In other words, he's fully given over to fear. And he knows, I believe, of his own propensity to be given over to this fear. Now, (laughs) if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you see David as this mighty warrior, and he is. You see him as this man of God, this man who has a heart after God's own heart, 
And yet here we have this, and it might be hard, hard to grasp and even accept, but this mighty warrior is fearful. <laughs> he's full of fear of the enemy, and he's pleading with the Lord to preserve his life, not from the enemy, but from the fear of the enemy. This is a man who's honest about the power of fear, the paralyzing power, the crippling power of fear, and he's begging God to be preserved from the fear, the fear. It's a very real fear. He's in this place of fear. But again, thankfully, by the time we get to the end of the psalm, <laughs> the Lord's not going to let him stay there. Now he has this assurance. He's praying to the Lord. He's meditating on the word of the Lord. And in so doing, God has given him that much needed change of perspective. But we still have a problem here because we still have this mighty warrior that is dealing with the reality and the intensity of fear. As I was pondering this particular psalm, it struck me how hard it is for someone, especially like myself, I love David. This man is, <laughs> can't wait to meet him. There are so many along with him that I can't wait to meet in glory. But David was a warrior. I mean, this is, this is the David that slew Goliath. This is the David that God delivered into his hands with his bare hands, a lion and a bear. This is a David who has been through so much. All of the Philistines that God delivered into his hands. This was a, a victor in every sense of the word. This man was a victor. He was a warrior. He was someone that, well, let's just be candid. You wouldn't want to mess with this guy. And you surely wouldn't want to mess with his 600 men, his loyal men, who stood by his side until the end. These were killers, if I can say it that way. And I say that in a sanctified sense of the word. These are killers, not murderers. Know the distinction, the delineation, the difference between killing and murdering. I think of the commandment, thou shalt not murder. That's how it should be read and understood. Thou shalt not kill is different. Sometimes killing in self-defense, sometimes killing in warfare. But murder is different. These were not murderers. These were killers. These were killers. And it's important to understand that. But yet, <laughs> David is praying and asking God to preserve his life from the fear of the enemy. You know what that means, right? He was afraid of them. He feared his own son and this coup that had come up against him. He was fully afraid. He was full of fear. Yes, this mighty warrior is full of fear. Well, David is in good company. He's not alone. Many mighty warriors and men of God who were also gripped and paralyzed by fear, replete throughout Scripture. We have detailed accounts. Sometimes it's too much information, as we say. 
there are, when we were going through uh, Samuel and Chronicles and the Kings, and sometimes I have to confess there were places in God's Word as we're studying it, as I'm teaching it, where I'm thinking, man, Lord, I, I didn't want to know that about David. <laughs> I, could have, I could have gone without knowing what David did. I mean, there's too much information. I, I don't want to know that about him. But, but God wants us to know that about him. Yeah, but Lord, that was really bad. Can't believe he did that. I know. Well, obviously you must have deemed it necessary to include it in the inspiration in the canon of Scripture. There has to be a reason. Yeah, there is a reason. It's not to show you how bad David messed up, and he messed up. <laughs> That's putting it lightly but it's to show you how good I am in spite of how bad David was. It's not about how bad David sinned, it's how gracious and merciful I am to forgive sin. That's why I had to record that. And by the way, if David didn't go through this and I didn't have this recorded, you wouldn't be all of these generations later being so blessed by what I did in David's life, because there's going to be parallels in your life as well. And again, such is the case with the Psalms. But throughout Scripture, we have these strong and courageous men of God who encountered just, I mean, unthinkable situations that were just so fearful, and life and death fearful, and yet God enabled them to overcome. One of the best examples, and we see this on Sunday mornings, we're in the epistles in Philippians. We see it with the Apostle Paul. I mean, you talk about somebody, I mean, this is a mighty man. I see him as almost being intimidating. I mean, you, you come up against this guy and somebody introduces you if they needed to, and they say, hey, that's the Apostle Paul. That's the Apostle Paul? Yeah. Oh, no way, way. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy that you would think that, I mean, nothing would faze him. Nothing would, you know, impact him. Nothing would cause him to fear. But nothing could be further from the truth. In Acts 18, verses 9 and 10, Paul is so full of fear that the Lord has to reveal Himself in a vision and tell him, do not be afraid. And he tells him why. I think of Acts, I want to say it's chapter 27, when they're in that storm again. I think this is the third time for Paul. He'd survived two miraculously prior and Luke is with him, because Luke is writing, and Luke in Acts chapter 27 basically says, we, that would be he with Paul, we, plural, the both of us, all of us, we had all given up hope of ever surviving this storm. That means that Paul himself had given up all hope and had fully been given over to the reality that this is how it's going to end. I'm not going to make it to Rome, in spite of having the promise from God that He's going to get him to Rome. 
He just wasn't going to get him on a cruise ship. He was going to get him on a prisoner ship, but he was going to get to Rome. He had that promise. And yet even with that promise that he had from the Lord himself, he still just gives up. He's so discouraged. He's so fearful. He's so, can you imagine, physically exhausted. They can't eat. If they dare try to eat, they're going to, you'll forgive the graphic description, they're going to throw it all up. This ship was being just completely, you know, destroyed. And all of the men on the ship had given up all hope. And then the Lord appears to Paul and tells him, do not be afraid. You're going to survive this. I know it doesn't look like it. (laughs) Okay, the boat's not going to survive. The boat is toast. That's a loose paraphrase of the, you know, uh, passage. But you're all, not one man is going to perish. And then he stands up before all of them and says, the Lord told me that none of us is going to perish. The boat will not survive, but none of us are going to die in this storm. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul in a rare sort of autobiographical moment says that he was burdened beyond measure. The the pressure was crushing. And above strength, I mean the, the original language sort of carries with it the idea of that he just couldn't take it anymore. So much so, get this, he despaired even of life. You know what that means? He basically wanted to die. It was so bad. Does this remind you of a couple other guys we've talked about and studied about in Scripture? How about Job that begged God to take his life? He, he said, oh, I wish that the one thing that I long for the most would be granted me, that you would just bring my life to an end, put me out of my misery. That's despair. That's when discouragement gives way to despair. That's where fear is given completely over to this despair of life. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Isaiah 41 verse 10. Listen to this. What what an encouraging promise to hang on to. (laughs) Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Is that not reminiscent of what David said at the beginning of Psalm 63? You are my God. I think about in the Old Testament when God is declaring Himself to be their God to the Israelites. It's like this. It's like, I am the Lord your God. They're not your God. That golden calf that Aaron made, that's not your God that delivered you out of slavery from the Egyptians. I am the Lord your God. I am your God. That's not, who's your God? You think that's your God? You think that God's going to be there for you? That God cannot be there for you. That is no God. I am the Lord your God. Fear not. This is why you have nothing to fear. I am with you. 
This is why you need not be discouraged or dismayed. I am your God. You want more reasons? Okay, I'll give them to you. You'll forgive the way that I'm (laughs) illustrating and teaching this verse. But here's another reason to not be afraid, to not be dismayed. I will strengthen you. I know you're weak. You're hanging on by a thread. Yes, I will help you. The key emphasis to me is I will help you. I will strengthen you. I am with you. I am your God. I will uphold you. That's why. That's why you have nothing to be afraid of. I know you're fearful. I know you're discouraged. I know you're weak. I know you're needing help, I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I'll be there for you. I am your Lord. I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Pardon me. If you're here tonight or you're watching this uh, Bible study online, I want to really encourage you if you're finding yourself in that place of fear. Fear is very real. Very real. I Fear is a, for lack of a better way of saying it, I'll just be very candid, it's a familiar friend of mine. I'm very well acquainted with fear. I've tasted from the cup of fear more times than I ever would care to share. Fear is very real. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's not, it's not the Lord. If you're feeling fearful, that never comes from the Lord. The Lord will never create a situation in your life or do anything that would cause you to fear. He cannot. That's not who He is. The enemy does. The enemy is right there to create this environment of fear, and he does it in such an insidious way. And it all starts in the mind. The battleground is in the mind. He starts putting thoughts in your mind, which is why it is so critical, so vital that we take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Satan is very clever. And he knows where our vulnerabilities are when it comes to fear. And he'll put thoughts in our mind, and it usually starts off with something like this. What if? What if? And then he sort of allows you to use that fallen (laughs) imagination that we all have, because our our minds are fallen, right? So he lets us kind of use that imagination in our fallen finiteness, and we fill in those blanks. What if my son is actually successful? Absalom is actually successful and does kill me, and this is how it ends. You're Paul. What if the enemy's right there? What if you don't go to Rome, and this is how it ends, and that's it? What if that happens to your son, to your daughter? What if, and fill in the blank with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, with your family, 
How about in the financial? What if you don't have enough money and you can't afford this? What if that happens? What if this happens? And the thing about fear is that it will take you as far down this road as is necessary for you to finally just give into despair. Here's the thing about fear. Fear basically says this, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't trust you. I don't trust that you have my best interests at heart. I don't trust that this is going to end in a way that is for my good and for your glory. I don't trust, Lord, that you are not going to allow the unthinkable to happen in my life. That's what fear says. That's what worry says. Worry says, I don't trust you, Lord. I don't trust you with my situation. I don't trust you with this financial obligation. I don't trust you with my son's situation, my daughter's, my family situation. Right now, what's going on in my life, everything is just in utter chaos, and it's brought much fear and consternation into my life. It it basically says, Lord, you have no control over this. Lord, you must not love me enough because obviously you've allowed this to happen. You You don't care. You don't care about me. You don't care how difficult this is. You're not going to do anything about this. Can you imagine? I mean, here's our loving Heavenly Father who so loves us that He sent His only begotten Son to die for us. And here we are suggesting, I even dare say accusing God of His unwillingness to help us with this situation in our life. I think about what Paul said about how that if God's going to give us His Son, is there anything He's going to withhold from us? I mean, here we are, we're we're trusting God for that day when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain are caught up to be with Him, and we can't trust the Lord for next month's rent payment. We can't trust the Lord for this prodigal son, this prodigal daughter. We can't trust the Lord for this financial need, and we're trusting the Lord to do this grand and glorious thing. And our redemption, that day of our salvation when we're taken up to be with the Lord, we're trusting Him for that, but we can't trust Him for this. It doesn't make sense, does it? The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
we do treasure our connection with our listeners, we'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.